This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Danny Ruye. I'm Grant Paulson. Darius Dameron making it sound good, as always, on the production. Lots coming up, as you heard, on the show. But we got to start with yesterday's news. Steven Strasburg to the injured list. This feels catastrophic. Now, we are going to try our best not to be irresponsible and to speculate too much. But the team gives us not much of a choice with how vague they are with these injuries. Here is what we know. Strasburg was out for a year recovering from a very serious procedure, thoracic outlet syndrome, and a surgery that followed. And we all said all along that the worst-case scenario, Danny, would be that he comes all the way back, that he pitches in the big leagues, and at some point he goes back to the injured list. And what's worse than even that is he didn't make it to a second start. Four and two-third innings, we didn't hear any complaints after the outing, but it was his bullpen session a couple days later, a little touch and feel on the side where he had some discomfort. And while the Nats aren't telling us much of anything, he's headed back to the injured list. And I'm trying not to be overly dramatic, but it does kind of feel calamitous, doesn't it? It certainly does. And here's here's why to me. Two, well, multiple reasons. One, the history. We're all aware of it. He's been injured a number of times. There's been surgeries. There's been recovery. The biggest thing to me, though, this year is I can't help but look at the backdrop. The backdrop was Davey Martinez saying, once he's up, we want him to stay up. The reason we're doing all this mystery, the reason we're delaying, the reason he's in West Palm Beach for a month, two months, well after the timeline we initially heard about, was to prevent this very thing from happening. We don't want him on and then on the injured list. We don't want him pitching and then going back to the injured list for weeks, months at a time. Once he's here, we want him here. We got one start. We got four and two-thirds innings. The first bullpen afterwards, you got discomfort again. We don't know the gravity of it. It's hard not to immediately jump to conclusions because of, again, what he's just come back from and the history there. A guy that's pitched 26 innings over the last two years. I mean, if you and this was a guy that was a horse, was 180 to 200 innings each of the last two seasons. Not possible in 2020, but you get my drift. And you'd go, a little bit of discomfort in a side session. You'd go, okay, that's a bummer. He'll be back when he's back for a second division club. No rush for a team that's rebuilding. This was a, we are being so extra careful. We're doing everything we possibly can. Dotting every I, crossing every T, and then some. We're putting his health at a premium in a year where there's no rush to get him back to the major leagues. One start. One bullpen session. Really, really, really hard to take. We had a podcast last week to get deeper into what you were just alluding to, where we essentially said Strasburg's recovery, A, is availability and being in the rotation, but B, his ability to get all the way back to being Steven Strasburg or just close to it. I don't need him to be 2019 World Series hero, best in the, the sport in the postseason, Steven Strasburg, pitching like a Cy Young for stretches. But just be really good, number two type starter, very quality option in this rotation. It expedites the rebuild. It gives you a chance to put an easy pass in your windshield, and then you just go past all the traffic through the toll. Without Strasburg, we got to start talking potentially, if this is a long-term thing again, about the next four years, $35 million per, $140 million or so, uh, is that right? 35 times 2 is 70. Yes, $140 yep. million over four years that they still owe him after this season. Now, I don't know what kind of insurance policy there is, and we're, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves, and we're doing too much speculating. Fingers crossed when Davey talks later today, he'll come out and he'll say, oh, it's something completely different. He'll be out for a couple weeks. Normally, that's not the case with Strasburg. But we, we kind of said, Danny, they need this guy healthy. If he's not, it changes all of the math. 
You have invested so much money. This ownership group clearly, while trying to sell, doesn't want to spend much anyway. You now have 40% of your rotation made up by Strasburg, who isn't able to post, and Corbin, who's now a fifth starter type, and you're paying those guys to be your number one and your number two. You can't build a winning rotation that way. I don't see the path forward. And and I, I hate to be that bleak. Again, we don't know the extent, but we're talking about this one scenario now. I don't see the path to them being really good again without him being able to pitch. There are only a couple of teams that could just outspend it. You know, when when the the name I just think of off the top of my head is when the Yankees tried to, you know, sign Kevin Brown and he didn't work out, they go, okay, no problem. Dynasty's still in, very much intact. We've got our core. We'll just go spend on the next big free agent pitcher. But when the Minnesota Twins spend on a guy, it doesn't work. You're done. You're pummeled. The Nationals aren't quite that. They're not the Rays. They're not the Oakland A's. But while this you know organization's up for sale and, and while you're kind of at a, a crossroads, so to speak, of ownership, unless you get Daddy Warbucks in here who, who will spend his own personal fortunes, the cash flow isn't there for them to just outspend $35 million against uh, against that cap or against the, 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 you know, the, the, the luxury tax ceiling, et cetera. And if Patrick Corbin can't be good, you're really talking about half your payroll or you know, 35, 40% of your payroll on a first division club that's going to spend close to $200 million. I don't know how you get around that. That's a really, really massive challenge for any team, let alone one that you know doesn't have unlimited budget, especially without kind of their own you know TV network printing money like the Dodgers have, or like the Yankees have. So I don't know. None of this works. Trying to keep Juan Soto, trying to uh, you know build a first division club with Gabriel Ruiz coming into his own, and you know figuring out how good Luis Garcia is, and all the fun things that we talk about here on this podcast. I don't know how they can be really good without Steven Strasburg being available and at least pretty good. 2019 World Series MVP, I, I think we all are saying that's gone. A useful major league starter that probably cost too much, that I thought was going to be in the cards. This scenario that we're talking about, if this is really serious and we kind of never get it back, that's something I'm really, really worried about, honestly, for this rebuild. So we'll save the Strasburg retrospectives and the you know sad music underneath of highlights for another day. I mean, we're still, fingers crossed, hoping for the best outcome here. It's just that normally when something is afoot with Strauss, it's not a short-term thing. And, and on top of that, we've got the prologue, what it, which was the last year. You know, with him coming back from a really serious thing that has cost pitchers at times their careers or has left them never the same again. And we kind of knew going in this was difficult. It's why I talked last week about how big a deal it was for the org and for him that it seemed like he'd come all the way back for the most part with his stuff. Uh, But now we're left with him headed to the injured list. Reaction when you first saw the news. We can go to Darius first on this, and then I want to get your thoughts, Danny. But, I mean, I just was crestfallen. When I saw it, it was my initial response was anger, honestly. Because since 2019, it feels like it's been one thing after another, and we're still paying a tax for having been happy and seeing them win in the World Series. But eventually, as I kind of came to my senses and, and grew up and matured in the moment a little bit, <laughs> And it wasn't about me. I felt terrible for the player, for Strauss, because of how much he's worked to get back. I felt for the the whole outfit. I mean, and hopefully it's you know much ado about little, and, and he's back soon. But I was just initially livid and, and kind of a here we go again. And then I started worrying and thinking about, okay, is this the end of this guy who turned the corner for the organization single-handedly with his 14-strikeout game against the Pirates? When you saw it, I think you saw it first because you started screaming and told me about it. 
What'd you think, Darius? Yeah, and and er- earlier in the day, I was uh, you know walking around uh, feeling good because I was like, hey, I'm going to go see Strasburg start. It's been the first time in years, and I've seen Strasburg start in person. This is going to be awesome. Uh, to see the news, yeah, it was definitely uh, heartbreaking for sure. I-, I guess I'm a little more optimistic than you guys. I, I am on the side of 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 the the best the better news could come from this so i'm not quite looking down the road and thinking you know how much this is going to cripple our franchise if it does go wrong, uh, wrong right now i'm just kind of in let's be optimistic you're thinking 10 day il we'll see him in a few weeks mode that that's what i'm hoping for hoping for the best yes all right i like that i balance us out a little bit danny your thoughts absolute devastation uh worst case scenario this uh, the dark cloud is here this is a tax from joy 2018 and 2019 happened. That means 100 years of sadness and bitterness and pain. I'm okay with it, by the way. I make that trade every time. I will I will cherish that World Series ring that you and I each have, Grant Paulson. I moved. I looked at it just the other day. I was looking for cufflinks, and I happened to open the drawer in my new house where that World Series ring is, and I gazed upon it, remembered Steven Strasburg shoving it up the keys to the Houston Astros. My, my mind immediately went to the worst-case scenario. My mind immediately went to... The years where I want to take my kids to Nationals games, they're not going to be good, and it's going to be hard to, to sink my, you know, to get their get their claws sunk in, in 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 into my boys to be lifelong Nationals and baseball fans. Literally, that that's the first thing I thought of was how are they going to be good over the next five, six, seven years? Which is overstated, obviously. Yes, yeah, what my reaction was. But that's what it <laughs> yes. was, and typical, I would say, of you is the doom and gloom, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure it means that they can never win again. But I, I hey, we asked for your reaction, we got your reaction uh, because people are going to be listening to this for the most part on Tuesday night into Wednesday and beyond. We shouldn't spend a lot of time necessarily on Jackson Tatro, but I want to at least give a quick scouting report on him and talk about him as he makes his debut tonight, just so. So everyone understands we taped the podcast initially we didn't drop because of the Strasburg news came back into the studio today to give you some thoughts on that to make it as timely as possible and in a minute or two we'll throw to ourselves when we actually did what was the original version of the podcast <laughs> breaking down Lane Thomas and many of the other less pressing issues on the ball club but a lot of good conversation Nats fans so keep it right here uh, Jackson Tatro who is debuting against the Braves who have won 12 in a row. Good luck, kid. 26 years old. He is not one of the top 30 prospects in the system, according to MLB Pipeline. And I have found that to be wrong, honestly. Is that because of age, do you think? Partially because of age. Partially because analytically and stuff-wise, he's not going to move the needle necessarily. But what's impressing me about him this year, a couple things. Number one, he has come out of the pandemic year, the layoff in 20, with more velocity. He threw an average fastball at 91 miles an hour in 2019. He's now up to 94 miles an hour with his average fastball velo. That's a huge jump. I mean, three miles an hour over three years yeah, in your no joke. young 20s is a pretty big deal. You don't see that very often. Uh, he's 93 to 95. He'll touch 97. Slider's his best non-fastball pitch. And then he throws a changeup uh, as well. More so than, say, like an Evan Lee or even a Josiah Gray. Those two guys, younger you know, in, in pitching, uh, just haven't really gotten comfortable throwing the changeup. So he's a, a three-pitch guy, fastball slider, the two best pitches. This year he's been good in AAA. Got rocked in his last start a week ago. But 58 innings. He's got more strikeouts, 52, than hits allowed, 51. He's never been a high-volume strikeout guy in the minor leagues, really. Uh, He's about 8Ks per nine through five years in the minor leagues. 
But I do think, you know, when you look at these rankings and you don't see him, I think that's a little bit misleading for the most part because the stuff has gotten better, the velocity in particular. I view him, Danny, if people are wondering, like, what is this long term? And this is based on talking to people in the org, around baseball, out of the org, basically as a potential back-end starter, swingman, longman type probably. But he could end up being, you know, a back-of-the-rotation starter in a couple years when they're good if this development kind of stabilizes the way he's thrown double in AAA the last couple of years, and, and he makes another leap and surprises again. But it, it's, look, without being rude to anybody else, like, it's it's not Erasmo Ramirez. It's not Paolo Espino. It's a new, fresh face. It's a 26-year-old who can throw 97. Uh, it's worth being a little bit excited in this year where there's not a lot of excitement when one of these guys gets called up. Tall, lanky right-hander. Um, I, I, I like that generally. I, I There's something about that loose arm, you know, big tall guy looks like an octopus walking on land that I like for that kind of role you're talking about, that swing role. Maybe a couple times through the order, it, you know, guys adjust and they see it, but that, you know, one to two inning type reliever is not the end of the world. They need some of these guys to hit. Right? Some the Evan Lees of the world, the Jackson Tetros of the world. Someone that nobody's counting on all of a sudden turns up and and, and gives them some quality innings at some point. I, it's true. They need some of these. I, I also want to be careful because I don't want when like Cavalli or Henry or like the real good guys get called up that people are like, well, you said this guy was these like Evan Lee is not supposed to be a good major league starting pitcher, right? Right. Jackson Tetro is not. You're po- point is occasionally with other organizations some random guy that was supposed to be a long man turns into a really good third starter and if Tatro or Lee or one of these guys could do it here it would be a game changer right so one you know when when Lucas the the, the best examples when Lucas Giolito comes up this was supposed to be the new you know linchpin of the organization the new guy that was out front the new you know top line starter and he's throwing 88 89 and the breaking ball was bad and you know everyone's like uh oh my god and it became expendable with someone that they would laugh you off the phone if you asked him to be included in a trade and then you know next thing you know Mike Rizzo's like hey guys do you want Giolito and I was like wait what what a massive departure as they soured on him leads to Adam Eaton leads to a World Series we know the story but when those guys don't hit when the guys you're counting on a lot of eggs in the basket when that doesn't hit that really hurts the other end of that spectrum is, eh, we'll throw this to the wall, see if it sticks. We need a fifth starter this week, or we need a long man, or we need somebody. And then all of a sudden, a guy takes that opportunity and runs with it, or, or really develops on the fly. Those are such boons to the organization. They don't cost very much at all. All of a sudden, you're going, how many years do we have? Oh, my God, six years of controllability on fill-in-the-blank. And it can be just an, a game-changer for an organization. Well, and here's the bigger deal now, is with your monologue you did a moment ago about how they'll never win again because of the Strasburg and Corbin contracts, right? That's right. The young arms become that much more important because they're controllable and cheap. That's Cavalli. That's Henry. So if you can create a rotation with Gray on this first deal, with Cavalli, with uh, Henry, where those three guys end up being a one-two-three punch, you know the Brewers as an example with Woodruff. Now it's right now two of these guys are hurt, but Woodruff and Burns, a Cy Young, and Freddie Peralta, like they catapulted to the top of their division. They became one of the best teams in the league because they had these arms. If the Nats were able to with homegrown talent, establish a really viable rotation, that's the answer. I mean, that's how you get past the Strasburg and the Corbin contract because now you don't have to spend your way out of the pitching problem and you're able to still to win with pitching. Uh, But it's easier said than done, obviously. Yeah, if there were... In most organizations in in a different place, after, you know, not necessarily competing for, uh, you know, a decade or so, you'd go, we've got seven, eight, nine, maybe ten guys that are candidates for two or three spots at best, right? Well, right now, we're like, 
Okay, we have to have like a 95% batting average here. We have to we have to make sure that Cade Cavalli works. Jackson Rutledge also has to work, and Cole Henry's got to be healthy. That's kind of their path. And I understand how we got here. I'm not mad about it, by the way. You you know, your system is is bereft of uh, a lot of high-end talent because you used it to keep your window open. Well, that window closed, and now you're kind of building that up again. They did this before they started their run, adding pieces, you know, you pick 1-1 one, one in successive years with, with Strasburg, Harper, and you, you had some really high-quality talent like Anthony Rendon there at the 5 or 6 spot. I can't remember where he was. But they haven't had that in a while. So now they need those injections again to kind of open the window. All right, that is the update on your news, Strasburg and Tatro related. So this would have been your podcast that we recorded on Monday, starting with a quick conversation about winning two games against the Brewers and a lot of pressing major league-level questions to be answered for this Nationals team moving forward. 